Welcome to the 58th episode of the 4th and 24th podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball and have the latest installment of random assorted important news from the world of sports. Let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball starting, as always, in the National League West. In the National League West, we have the San Francisco Giants at 54-32 and 32, with the best record in the league, actually. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers only one game back of them for that divisional lead and also for the best record in baseball uh, at 54-34. and 34. Uh, They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They are actually only 19 runs now behind the Astros for the best run differential in baseball. Uh, the Giants are also plus 106, the Dodgers being one t- plus 121. So overall, those are actually two of the three teams who are above a plus 100 run differential this year. Although there's a team right next to it, but I'll get to them later. Uh, then you have the San Diego Padres at 52 and 38, who are right behind, not necessarily right behind those two, but in striking distance, only four games back. Uh, they're five and five in their last ten. The Dodgers have gained ground on the Giants since ever since their two-game little mini series uh, at the start of the week this week, where the Dodgers did in fact sweep that series. So that's pretty important in that little three-team race there. Uh, the, Do- the the Padres have. Had the Dodgers number so far this year, but the Dodgers have been very, very injured in those series, and then the Dodgers have been able to do the same to the Giants, and arguably it's a lot more important to beat the best team in the division. Well, not arguably. It is a lot more important to beat the best team in the division than the third-place team, uh, so I think the Dodgers will take that trade-off if it continues for the rest of the year, and they end up on top, and, it, and they just flip with the Giants. I think they'll take that, uh, obviously. Uh, then you have the Colorado Rockies, who are 17 games back, but still only just a fourth-place team. Uh, at 38 and 50, just pretty much speaks to the rest of the division that they're 31 and 17 at home and still 17 games back in the division, regardless of that 7 and 33 really bad away record. It, it still should not be that they're this far back, but again, this is the NL West and they are that far back. They're actually 7 and 3 in their last 10. They're playing the Padres right now in a series this weekend, uh, not featured in my predictions because, well, it shouldn't be too interesting, although I'm pretty sure the Rockies actually won the last series against the Padres, so maybe it could be interesting. Uh, then you have the Arizona Diamondbacks sitting at the bottom of the division, 30 and a half games back at 25 and 64. This is pretty early in the season to be 30 games back. Yeah, and you talked about the Rockies' road record at 7 and 33. The Diamondbacks, 10 and 36. Still better. 1 and 28 in their last 29 road games. That's not better. Pretty bad. Um, Dodgers uh, were on a hot, went seven and three this week, despite losing three games in a row at Miami, looking pretty, pretty bad, playing some bad baseball. So, uh, considering that that little slip up, the fact that they were able to gain ground on the Giants, I think positive direction. Overall, yeah, yeah, positive direction for them. Over the week, they gained three games. Uh, positive direction for them heading into this last series against those hapless Diamondbacks um, and playing on the road at Dodger Stadium heading into the All-Star break. Shall we move to the uh, NL Central? All right, take it off. In the NL Central, we now have the Brewers opening up a massive lead as they actually really have been the only team in the league who's been, uh, they've been dealing a lot of their players and they've been getting a lot, but well, not dealing their players, but getting a lot of players. They've been making deals to get new players. Uh, Recently acquired Rowdy Telez from the Blue Jays, who have actually been I think actually the most active team outside of the Brewers. If not, they've both made, I would say, two trades that have actually been recognized as not big trades, but significant ones. Uh, They also, the Brewers obviously earlier in the season traded for Willie Adamas too. 
uh, and now getting Roddy Telez. So really, they're trying to tell you we're up seven games. We're 53 and 36. We're not far off with the best record in baseball. But we don't feel secure because in reality, it's been our top three starting pitching that's just been absolutely carrying this team. And to get an 11-game win streak, they only had to average five runs per game, which is what the best teams in the league do literally for the entire season. Uh, and when you when you go eleven and when you go eleven games in a row, I mean, look at the Astros. They had a plus seventy seven run differential in an eleven game span, which means that if they gave up no runs, they'd be averaging nearly eight. The Brewers did not get that production and still went on eleven game win streak. It's really been their pitching all year, uh, and they've now tried to address that by getting bats like Willie Adames and and Rowdy Telez trying to get some bats in that lineup. And maybe, you know, keep the, keep this lead. And, and I think that that's what will keep them in that lead. Uh, and then behind them, reason why I spent so long talking about them, the Cincinnati Reds are seven games back, which, I mean, this is a sizable lead that uh, Milwaukee has opened up here. Uh, they are 45 and 42 on the season. Then you have the Cubs at 44 and 45. Um, nine games back. The St. Louis Cardinals, 43 and 46. Ten games back. Those two are actually playing each other this weekend. I believe they flip-flopped in the standings because the Cubs beat the Cardinals today. Uh, pretty pretty interesting game. A lot of scoring in that one. Um, but overall, both those two teams have just been playing so awfully recently. It's 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 really hard. Actually, before today, the Cubs were 1-12 in their last 13 games. Uh, getting the win against the Cardinals is definitely important. But that nine games back is definitely more important than that. And I mean... Look, just in opposite directions of the Brewers. The Brewers won 11 games in a row as the Cubs lost 10 in a row. And all of a sudden, you went from the Cubs in the division lead, no hitting the Dodgers, to the Cubs nine games back looking like we thought we were going to be buying at the trade deadline a few weeks ago, and now it looks like we are definitely selling. Uh, And then at the bottom of that division, you have the Pittsburgh Pirates 19 and a half games back at 32 and 54. Yeah, the Cubs actually, I believe their general manager made a public statement saying that it looks like they're going to be sellers. Um, that life, I think the quote was, life comes at you fast uh, in response to their eight-game losing streak. And maybe part of the, you know, maybe what the Brewers are doing is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Brewers are deciding to, to load up while they have a lead early to convince the other teams they're not going to catch them and to be sellers, which will help uh, the Brewers end up on top of that division. But I don't know if it's necessarily that they're I, trying I, to show that other teams can't catch them, but I think really the Brewers know that... They're starting pitching. I mean, I think they're probably looking back two years in the past and they're saying, we got swept by the Dodgers in a mini two-game series when, frankly, they shouldn't have even been in the playoffs last year, but they still were. And uh, they got dominated in a little mini two-game series at Dodger Stadium, and they're probably looking back at it like, who beat the Dodgers as the underdogs? And the answer is the Washington Nationals did. And how did they do it? Three really good starting pitchers and enough hitting. But they don't have Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon and even a Howie Kendrick, who's going to step up and get you big hits, they don't have any of that. So they're probably saying, look, if we're going to try to make a run, we got to copy a team from the past who's had success with pitching, and that's probably the best model. And they need Rowdy Telez and Willie Adams and probably even more bats to actually be able to copy that model. Yeah, well, and, and it's the Randy Jinx picking the Cubs in our season <laughs> redo pick to win the division. As soon as I did that, they lose eight in a row or something crazy. Well, like you that. even had hindsight to go with. I had to just choose to be stubborn or to or to change a little bit. You're so, lucky. So can we do with the NBA, maybe do a redo with maybe 25% of the season left? We can do some new picks because that one's pretty... Okay, no. All right, uh, let's move to the NL East. In the NL East, we have the Mets at 45 and 38. 
uh, in the lead. Then we have the Braves and the Phillies, both four games back. The Braves with a 43 and 44 record. The Phillies with a 42 and 43 record. Then you have the Washington Nationals at 42 and 44, uh, four and a half games back. Then you have the Marlins, even with those wins over the Dodgers, they did lose that next game, and then they also lost a game earlier today to the Braves. So at 38 and 49, now nine games back in that division. Um, this is the division where you expect everyone to be involved at the trade deadline in some capacity. The Marlins will most likely be trading away a few guys. I mean, even last year when they were decent but not amazing, they traded away, I, I believe Zach Gallon. they traded away last year where it was kind of one of those situations where they got to get something done. Uh, maybe it was the year before, but the, the rest of this division, look, you got the Braves floating at around 500, but I think with their young core, they're not thinking about selling because, frankly, they don't have any vets to trade. Uh, their team is very, very young, and if anything, they're saying, let's buy and let's make sure we make the playoffs and let's try our luck against the Dodgers again this year at some point. Uh, and then you got the Phillies who... Maybe they think about dealing someone. Maybe you think they might try to get someone, maybe some pitching, uh, maybe in the bullpen. I know that they've blown, I think, 20 or 22 saves or something like that this year, which is really a crazy number. I didn't think it was even possible to have that many save situations. I mean, they have more blown saves than most closers in the league have saves. Even the best of the best don't have that many. Um but we'll see what the Phillies do. And then the Nationals, known to be a very aggressive franchise, uh, literally every year that they can be. Uh, you got to see what they what they want to do. They're kind of injured. It's, it's kind of hard to figure out what they're doing. There are rumors, well, not rumors, but reports uh, that they've signed Derek Dietrich, who is a free agent. Uh, in other news, there's also, speaking of random free agents who used to be very great players, uh, there's also Cole Hamels is holding a showcase that a lot of teams are thinking about attending, including the Dodgers even, to try to get some starting pitching. There's a lot of things going on with those players. A lot of players haven't gotten opportunities that maybe bet on themselves a little bit too much on getting a contract, and now we're trying to figure something out in the middle of the season. Uh, and look, the Braves, the Phillies, the Nationals, the Marlins, they're all going to be involved in some of those teams, and maybe the Mets start doing what the Brewers do and really realizing, okay, we might need to add some hitting, although the Mets have been super, super, super injured all year, and I think they have confidence that once they get their guys back, Nimmo and Conforto and their off of injury for a long time, that eventually they'll be back into form and be good and be good on the offensive end again because their starting pitching is also really good. Yeah, as we've been saying all along, this race is going to be tight probably through the whole rest of the year. And uh, I'll stick with my Braves pick there. Looks a lot better than my Cubs pick. All right, let's move over to the American League, starting the American League West. In the AL West, we have the Houston Astros at the top, uh, four and a half games above Oakland. The Astros sitting at a 54-34 and 34 record, tied with the Dodgers for the second best, and tied with the Red Sox um, for the second best in the league. Then you have the A's sitting four and a half back at 50-39. and 39. Uh, Also, not to, not to skip over that, the Astros actually have the best run differential in baseball at plus 140, and a massive lead for most runs scored in the league. I think they're up by 40 over the next team, which is Boston, uh, with 488, which, look, that's a lot of runs to score. Um... Then you have the A's, as I just said, at 50 and 39, four and a half games back. They've been a more balanced team all year. Uh, not too much run scoring, but not a lot of runs given up either. Uh, overall, they've been okay, but I, I think I, I think when I was watching them against the Red Sox, their broadcasters uh, mentioned that they haven't won any of their last seven series, which is pretty interesting. Uh, they're managing to stay afloat somehow, uh, but they did play against the Astros, and I don't think they won that series either, so... Probably not what you want. Um, but then you have the Mariners at 46 and 42, eight games back. 
The Angels at 44 and 42, nine games back. They're playing each other this weekend. Pretty interesting to see what those teams will do with the trade deadline. Um, then you have the Rangers at 34 and 53, 19 and a half games back. They'll probably be sellers. Um, I don't, they're, they're definitely not going to be buyers, but they could end up somewhere in between just because, again, they're kind of just young. They don't really have anything that they can do, kind of similar to... Who wants anything they have that they'll give up? I mean, the, the one name that floated around at the beginning of the year was Joey Gallo, but at the same time, I don't know when they're planning to be good ever, if they're just going to keep trading away their best players. Uh, they, they were also thinking about trading away Lance Lynn a few seasons ago, and then eventually he just signed somewhere else in free agency. So you kind of got to balance... If you're this bad, how are you going to keep a star around? And at the same time, how do you get better? So there, there's a lot to talk about there. And look, a lot of teams are probably wishing that the Mariners or the Angels go on a losing streak so they can pick apart some of their players um, really anywhere in the field. The Mariners have a little bit of an overachieving roster, so there might not be very attractive candidates. But if you look at a team like the Dodgers who have the ongoing Bauer situation, they have Dustin May who was out for the year. Uh, and David Price really having to settle into a starter's role if he's going to go there this year. Uh, they have to kind of figure it out, and they might have to just go get a fifth starter. And really, you don't need a guy who has a 2.4 ERA to get it, to be a fifth starter. If you can get someone in the threes at all, that's pretty solid. And or look, somebody who could just eat some innings. And, and yeah, I mean, look, that's what the Mariners have. That's what the Angels have. That's even what the Diamondbacks have, who probably would trade with anybody who would ask them to trade with them. Uh, but... It'll be interesting as we as we get closer to the trade deadline what we see these teams doing. Uh, the AL West has been a very quiet division there, but I think that's because most of these rosters, at least the two at the top, are very set in stone. Then you have the A's who aren't going to make many money moves either. Uh, the Astros probably feel pretty secure. And then the Rangers are just waiting around until someone, uh, until someone picks up the phone and calls them asking for what they want. <laughs> All right, let's move to the AL Central. In the AL Central, we have the Chicago White Sox at the in the lead at 51 and 35, with a seven-game lead over the Cleveland Indians in second at 44 and 42. The White Sox just missing out on the plus 100 run differential club at plus 99. Uh, Cleveland, even though they are two games above 500, uh, minus 24 run differential, similar to the Mariners and the Angels, who both have actually worse run differentials uh, with the same or a better record. Then you have the Detroit Tigers, who have somehow climbed themselves into third in this division. I believe they're 11 and five in their last 16 games uh, ahead of the Minnesota twins who are 36 and 50, 15 games back and the Kansas city Royals, 36 and 52, 16 games back. There's two main things I want to touch on in this division that I think are very important. First of all, the tigers are doing this with basically no veterans. And if there are veterans, they're not really contributing. Let's be honest. Miguel Cabrera is kind of on his last legs of his career, but look, you can't, you can't kick out a guy off the team like that. It's like David Ortiz in Boston, although he was really productive in his last few years. So you can't really do away with that, but their pitching staff is entirely young guys, uh, all five of them. And in fact, they've even brought up, uh, <laughs> they've even brought up Matt Manning, their top prospect to come up. They also have Spencer Torkelson, who's a top five prospect in baseball, I believe, who's sitting around in the minors and pretty much uh, ascending through the levels really, really quickly, a first round pick a few years ago. So they're actually a pretty intriguing team, not this year, but in terms of next year, if you got this team that's this young, going 40 and 48, near 500, only eight games under, watch what this team can do when these guys are two, three years older. This yeah. could be a really good team. Future, then, future's bright in Detroit. Definitely. And then you have the Chicago White Sox, who, uh, look, if you're this injured, you should not be up seven games in the division. It's actually very similar to the Dodgers being one game back right now with the Giants. You could attribute a lot to... 
not having Corey Seager for a lot of the season, uh, not having Muncie for a few weeks, then not having Bellinger for a few weeks, and before that, a month or so. Uh, the Dodgers have been really injured, and you could say maybe if they have those guys, they take an extra two or three games here or there that have been close. Uh, maybe they don't take a 5-15 and 15 stretch. Probably not. If they have their full roster, maybe that turns into a slump, but maybe more of a maybe a, a 10 and 10 slump because frankly, when it's the Dodgers, that is a slump. Uh, but look, if they have their full roster, that's a the Dodgers are this good. But look, the White Sox have a seven game lead, and tonight they threw out three outfielders. Two of them are in the minor leagues to start the year. One of them is out of position, and none of their three starters are healthy right now. Uh, good news for them. Eloy Jimenez is on a, is about to go on a rehab assignment, so they will get one of those guys back. They expect to get Louis Robert at some point in the season. So look, they they are piecing together their roster. Uh, even your mean Marquettis has been in kind of a slump recently. So look, they are piecing together this roster, and there's still seven games up. So you got to like where the White Sox are right now. Frankly, that's one of the reasons why they're my pick in the World Series, because they're the team I'm most sure of winning their division, because they have a seven-game lead the biggest lead by far of any team in the AL in their division, and they've been the most injured in their division this this year. So they're gonna get they're only gonna get better as the season goes on. Yeah, this race, as we've said, looks like it's you know, pretty much one team. Um, Cleveland continues to sort of stay within striking distance, and you know, Minnesota. We said ah, they got time to turn it around. I'm not sure they have time to turn it around anymore. They're a little too they're and I think they're also a little too far behind to catch a team like the White Sox, yeah. who frankly. They could play a lot better. They could have a much more put-together roster, and they don't, and they're still leading them by 15 games. I don't think you can make up a 15-game deficit in the second half of the season against a team that pretty much on paper is pretty even with you. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the White Sox are bound to outperform more so than probably the Twins are, based for the reasons you talked about. All right, let's move over to the American League East. This division is the very uh, the very talent stacked division, but not so much the results stacked division. Um, the Boston Red Sox at fifty four and thirty four, tied with the Astros and the Dodgers, as I mentioned before, for the second best record in in all of baseball, only a game back of the Giants. Uh, but they are two ahead, two and a half games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays for set for who are in second in this division at fifty one and thirty six. Then you have the Blue Jays, who are playing the Rays this weekend, eight games back at 44 and 40. Uh, and then you have the Yankees at 44 and 42, nine games back in this division. And then you have the Orioles at the bottom at 28 and 58, uh, 25 games back. Not quite Arizona's 30 and a half games back, but pretty bad too. Uh, although they're not as bad on the road, not even close. Um, but look, there's a lot of things you can talk about in this division. Uh, the Yankees being incredibly underwhelming, uh, not winning a single game against the Red Sox this year. Uh, they got another crack at it, uh, I think the first series after the All-Star break, actually. Uh, but then you look at the Red Sox, who you could argue maybe overperforming. Uh, and then you have the defending the defending AL pennant winners, the Tampa Bay Rays, who were in the World Series against the Dodgers, only lost in six games, didn't really get destroyed, which, I mean, honestly, when you got the roster that the Rays have, that is kind of an achievement. And uh, frankly... This year, they've, they've been bringing up their prospects, uh, although they did trade away Willie Adamas, and Randy Rosarena has actually been able to play how he played in the playoffs over the course of a regular season. So look, the Rays are still really, really good. Uh, and those two teams, the Red Sox and the Rays, definitely are for real, and both can win this division. And frankly, look, when you look at how the Dodgers have went on their little nine-game win streak there, 
if the if the Yankees could start beating these teams in head-to-head matchups, they yes. might be able to make up all the ground later in the season. That's the good news is they got a lot of games against these teams. Left. The only problem for them is I'm actually not so sure they're going to beat they those haven't. teams. Uh, and look, the Red Sox don't have better pitching than the Yankees do, and yet the Red Sox have beaten Garrett Cole twice this year. So, and by the way, the Red Sox might even be getting Chris Sale back later in the year. So there's a lot. Of, there's a huge mountain for the Yankees to climb. But definitely, if there was a team that would have enough talent to climb the mountain in this division, that's definitely the team to do it. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball for this week. So now let's move on and talk about some random, assorted, important news in the world of sports. Patrick, take it away. We will start uh, across the pond in England. Actually, our first two topics in England, which is a little surprising for us. Um, England will play Italy in the Euro Finals. Uh, well, technically the 2020 Euro Finals, I should say, because they're not calling them the 2021 because they were supposed to be last year. Although it's supposed to be at a neutral site, uh, the finals are at Wembley Stadium in London. Uh, so there will be a clear home field advantage uh, for the home team England. And look, this is not like a neutral site where you're in the same country. This is uh, moving across an entire continent to get away fans in the building. So probably going to significantly outnumber the Italian fans. But you know what? I don't care about the home field advantage. I'll say Italy wins because, look, they haven't lost in their last 32 matches. It's ridiculous. It's almost the streak that the U.S. women's team is on. And, look, they're just too good to pick against for me, even though, let's face it, we both don't know anything about soccer, and you're not even going to make a pick for this because we don't really know. But from Wembley to Wimbledon we go, where the matchups for the women's and the men's finals have been now set. On the men's side, we have Novak Djokovic going for his third straight Grand Slam title to start the year, which is uh, pretty ridiculous. I think they said, I'm pretty sure someone mentioned that he'd be the first person to ever win the first three Grand Slams of a year. Uh, Pretty ridiculous. (laughs) And then he will be going for his sixth title at Wimbledon in his entire career and his 20th Grand Slam title overall against... Matteo Berrettini, uh, by the way, a, a very a very good chance of a lot of Italian success this weekend, um, who is making his first career appearance in a Grand Slam tournament final. I, I think we're I think we're in sync on this one. We don't know anything about soccer, but we do know a little bit about uh, tennis. And uh, let's just say, I think I'm going with Novak. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Not only do we know about tennis, we've been to Wimbledon, so we have a little bit of experience there. Yeah, Italy's not going to have success. Uh, in, in, in London on the, on the grass courts, maybe on the pitch. <laughs> on the women's side, world number one Ash Barty will face former world number one, currently ranked number 13, Carolina Pliskova. I'm just going to go with Ash Barty just because world number one, I, I like the way she's been playing this tournament, but Pliskova is a very, very good player too. And frankly, she has a lot more experience than Barty does. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pliskova. Um, I've only caught portions of Barty's matches probably because they're so darn quick uh, and like, early yeah but but uh, but yes um but I, I've watched Pliskova play a lot um I enjoy watching her play and I, I think I'll we'll make it interesting we'll go with the upset here so all I'll, right I'll take Pliskova uh and moving on from a completely different sport uh th- in this one uh now we're moving back over to the North American continent where we're a little more comfortable with the sports uh congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning who, without a single mention of their name ever on the podcast, uh, because we never covered the NHL, uh, kind of my bad, a little bit of a slip-up, not going to lie, didn't really didn't really ever get too invested in the season, and I didn't feel like sounding like an absolute idiot about hockey for a, a segment, so felt like not talking about it, but now that the season's over, congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
for winning their second Stanley Cup in less than 300 days, uh, beating the underdog story Montreal Canadiens in a five-game series. Yep, congrats to the Lightning, congrats to the city of Tampa, or as they're calling it, Champa Bay, with uh, the Lightning winning two Stanley Cups in less than a year. The Rays, as you mentioned, winning the national, uh, winning the American League and losing to the Dodgers in the World Series. And then, of course, um, Tom Brady and the Bucks winning the Super Bowl. Uh, great season for sports in Tampa Bay, except for their um, adopted NBA team, the Raptors. And, and we will, maybe we'll forget a little bit about the fact that Toronto Blue Jays have been playing near them. They're more like a Buffalo team. But great for the city of Tampa. Uh, three world championships in less than 300, in 300 days, and then another league championship. Um, we do need to get into hockey more. We kind of, I think we like hockey. We kind of lost track of it last year when it was in their bubble and it was kind of played at a different time and yep. NBA was really intense and yep. baseball was going on. I think once we get back to the normal, and then so we really didn't, and then it started up again so quickly. Once we get back to the normal rhythm of these seasons and it doesn't overlap as much with the other seasons, we'll start paying attention. Well, the other strange thing that you actually think about is the NBA finals last year were during the playoffs in, <laughs> were during the playoffs in the MLB. Uh, when you compare that to this year, the finals are a month late this year. And the, and the MLB isn't even at the All-Star break yet. So the whole calendar of sports last year was completely off. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you. We probably should get more into it next year. Although, you, to give you credit, you did say playoff hockey. On one of our podcasts, you talk about how playoff hockey um, is, is the best. You did make a comment on that. Um, by the way, Tampa almost swept this series. Yes, Montreal, very close in game, to it. In game four, at home, Tampa had a five-minute power play think that came with like two minutes left in regulation. Montreal killed off five minutes of power play, two minutes at the end of regulation and three minutes in overtime and then scored a goal to, uh, to, to move the series to Tampa Bay. I think Tampa was happy because they weren't going to be allowed to celebrate in their locker room in Canada. Well, not only, not only, family, right? not only their fans weren't going to be allowed to celebrate because there were only 3,500 in the, be- in the building to begin with, but their family weren't even going to be allowed in the locker rooms if they, even if they wanted to, uh, due to, some Canadian COVID restrictions. So, yeah, they're probably a little bit happy with how that turned out, as you said, that they can celebrate at home. And frankly, this year, instead of having a boat parade, maybe actually have the first real championship parade that we've had in a, for a long time. Yeah, see, we know a little about hockey. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, in the MLB now, the sport that we are a little more comfortable with, uh, let's bookend it with the MLB discussions. We have the Home Run Derby bracket. It is officially out. We know all eight participants. Uh, and also who they are going to be playing. We have Shohei Otani at the number one seed playing Juan Soto at the eight seed. I'm a little confused about that one. Uh, on the same side of the bracket, we have Salvador Perez, the four seed, against defending champion, although it was two years ago, uh, number five seed Pete Alonso from the New York Mets. Then on the other side of the bracket, we have Joey Gallo as the number two seed against hometown favorite. Well, maybe not favorite, but hometown participant. Hometown participant. Trevor's story, the seventh seed. Then we have Matt Olson, the number three seed from the ace against Trey Mancini uh, from Baltimore. Look, we can make our predictions for who we believe are going to win this in a second, but first I got to get into this. Why are Trevor's story and Juan Soto in the home run derby to begin with? They both have 11 home runs on the year. Shohei has 32. Gallo has 25. Um, They're just, Olson has 20 also. And Perez and Alonzo and Mancini are all at around 15, uh, somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. I believe Perez is a little higher up than Olsen, uh, than, than Alonzo, probably near Olsen more. 
why out of all the guys did we have to put them in? And frankly, I get it. We're going to get the hometown guy in, but Ryan McMahon has 16 and he's on Colorado too. They have a better home run hitter than Trevor Story. And frankly, he might not even, he might start the all-star break as a Colorado Rocky and end the all-star break on a different team because the Rockies are looking to trade and they've been known to trade really, really good players in the last few years. Nolan Arenado comes to mind. Uh, there, he literally could not be on the end of the team on on the team by the end of this break. So I don't know why they picked him. It's kind of confusing, especially because he doesn't lead the team in home runs, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be on this team because he's a free agent after this year. So that's a little confusing. And Juan Soto, like, does he have to be in everything? He doesn't deserve to be. Like, I love Juan Soto. He's a great, exciting young player, one of my favorite players in the league, to be quite honest. Uh, even though he ripped my heart out beating the Dodgers in the postseason a few years ago. But you can't deny that he's very exciting. But how out of all of the young players did we end up with Juan Soto, who's hit 11 home runs, as opposed to Rafael Devers on a division-leading team, uh, second-best team in baseball by record, uh, Boston, and Adelise Garcia? Maybe you don't want two Texas reps, but why not get the young guy in there? They're both, they both have 21 home runs. You have Reese Hoskins from Philly, who, have, who has 20. There are 16 guys in the league that have 20 home runs. Granted, some of them had said no to the t- to the home run derby, probably four or five of them, uh, and we have about three or four of them here. But what happened to the other five guys? Where are they? Yeah, I think it has to do with, like you said, a lot of guys passing on it. I wonder if they did want Hoskins to be in there and then they needed another National League player because there's only three players from the National League on, in the competition. I'm wondering if... And maybe Schwarber was going to go if he didn't get hurt. Well, but Hoskins is in the National League. He's in the same division as the Nationals. Well, I think maybe they asked him and he didn't go. And they they didn't want to have six from the American. They had to find a National League player. I don't know. There, there are a lot of National League. Uh, by the way, there is a National League player who's up there at home runs so you could have put in there. His name is Max Muncy, and he also should have been a starter. Um, frankly, Juan Soto took two. <laughs> Juan Soto shouldn't be an all-star. And again, no offense to him. Great player. Love him. But... He shouldn't be an all-star, and he also shouldn't be in the home run derby. Meanwhile, Max Muncy should be a starter and should be in the home run derby. And maybe Soto kind of stole his spot in the home run derby. And frankly, by the way, that's a National League player, and he's been in the home run derby before. He has 17 home runs on the year. Maybe he declined. You don't know who who passed. But I agree with you. Although, I do think that that Soto has a chance to upset Otani because of his experience in this competition and his ability. He hasn't done it in the regular season against live pitching, but against in batting practice, he has a chance to upset him. All right, so if we're going to go that route, let's talk about our predictions. So first of all, I'm just going to say this. Shohei Otani hit a ball through a dome in Japan. He's not losing to Juan Soto in the first round. Sorry, not going to happen. Uh, Otani's beating Soto. I have Perez beating Alonso just because I think Salvador's going to show the world, look, I play in Kansas City. None of you know who I am, but... Here's who I am. Come watch me play. Uh, I'm for real. And look, he was one of the heroes that won them the that got them the World Series title a few years ago. And frankly, it's kind of surprising that that was not that long ago when I think about it. It feels like it was forever ago. Um, but he's still there. And look, he's going to prove that. I, I really think Salvador's got to prove that he is still a real star in this league. Uh, and look, Joey Gallo has ten home runs in his last ten games. I'm not picking against him against a guy who I'm saying shouldn't even be here. Uh, so easy for Gallo. And then we're going to pick Matt Olson. So yes, I'm all chalk, but okay, it's a little boring. Uh, but I don't believe in the Soto upset. And as I said, I don't think Soto or Story should be there. And then I just really like Matt Olson and Perez in terms of 
their picks. And then overall, I'd say I'll take Otani over Perez in the second round. And uh, I will take Olsen in a little bit of an upset over Gallo in the second round. And then in the AL West battle, which frankly, there's three guys from the AL West in there, which that, that's its own little story that you're talking about, about too many players <laughs> from the AL. How about three players in the AL West, only three in the entire National League? Uh, but anyway, I will take Otani over Olsen. Uh, although if Otani was pitching to Olsen, then it really wouldn't be a contest. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, I'm going to stick with the Soto upset. I'll take Perez over Alonzo. In the other side of the bracket, I will take Gallo uh, over Story. And I'm going to go with Trey Mancini over Olsen. And then I'm Probably gonna... the most likely upset. Yep, so I'm, then I'm going to take Perez over Soto. And I'm going to take Mancini on the other side. So the battle of... Uh, teams that have nothing to win, at least they're going to be, at least Kansas City and Baltimore have no, no chance of winning a World Series or a division this year. At <laughs> least they'll get to meet in the home run derby. You know, you notice, by the way, also I had the Texas guys, so I gave them them some love too because their season's <laughs> over. So give their fans something to root for. Well, Colorado needs something to root for too. <laughs> they got the All Star game at their home. <laughs> they got enough. They got the, the All Star game there. They can look forward to that. So uh, I will go with uh, Salvador Perez. Kansas City Royals over the Baltimore Orioles. Nah, I'll take Trey Mancini. Let Baltimore win something once in this decade. All right, well, that's fair enough. Uh, again, I will say I, I don't think, regardless of who's in this pool, I, I, I'm a little disappointed because I just don't think there's any possibility. I will be so happy if I'm proven wrong, but I don't think there's any possibility for a Jock Peterson against Vlad Guerrero, 21 home run against 21 home run overtime round where you have Jock who hits 40 home runs and almost sets a record for most in an entire derby and still somehow loses. And by the way, the guy he loses to loses in the finals to P. Alonso. I just don't think there's that potential unless maybe Otani against Alonso could be that if Alonso can do what he did in 2019. I mean, if Alonso did what he did in 2019, then I'm an idiot for picking Perez, but I just don't think he's going to do it. Um, but maybe Otani and Gallo just... You got the big 6'5 lefties out there just swinging the bat in Colorado where the ball is just flying. Um, it's possible that that, that that can just dominate. And frankly, the reason why I have to pick Shohei is just because he hits balls that should not be hit uh, and all the way to opposite field home runs. In a home run derby, that is so important that your misses can even be home runs. And I think every single miss he has, if it's only a slight miss is still a home run. I just don't see that with anybody else in this bracket. So that's why I got Otani. All right. Well, the one thing we do know for sure is that uh, home run derby on Monday will be exciting. And if Chris Berman's there, he will say back, 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 gone. Um, speaking of back, back, gone, that will end this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for next podcast, which will be on Monday, July 12th, where we will discuss the NBA finals and see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content including his MLB Power Rankings on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.